Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Scott Wapner in tonight for Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, it is all about earnings. Two tech names on our radar this hour. Facebook and Microsoft are both on the move after reporting their results. In fact, we have full team coverage tonight standing by to break down those names. Josh Lipton in San Francisco watching Microsoft. We kick things off, though, with Julia Borston and a big move lower for Facebook. Julia. Well, Scott, Facebook retreating from its record high shares down over 6%. So why is the stock declining? It's due to dramatically decelerating growth. This is the fourth straight quarter. The company's revenue growth was less than 30%. And its earnings per share growth of 8%, though better than expected, is down from the 65% growth Facebook reported in that metric in the year-ago quarter. Now, the results showing pressure on the company's operating margins 42% operating margins in the quarter. That is down from 46% a year ago and down from 57% in the fourth quarter of 2017. Now, total user numbers came in a hair ahead of expectations, 2.5 billion monthly active users, but user growth in the U.S. and Canada slowed, the company adding just 1 million new monthly active users in the quarter. And that's the region with the highest revenue per user. Baird's Colin Sebastian saying, quote, the modest size, the revenue and EPS beat may disappoint some investors accustomed to bigger outperformance. And RBC's Mark Mahaney saying, quote, this is an expectations correction. The recent rally in the stock suggested that the market was looking for material upside and didn't get it. With the call just now getting underway, we're going to be listening in particularly for what CFO David Weiner says about expectations for 2020 performance and 2020 costs. Now, last quarter, he said that revenue growth deceleration in 2020 would be less pronounced than it would be in the fourth quarter. So certainly a lot to listen for. Scott, back over to you. And we'll unpack it right now. Julia, thanks so much. All right. So, so Guy, yes, sir. you can take the Mahaney view and say, well, this, is, this was an expectations issue. Or you can simply say, you got decelerating growth. And you also have a stock that was up 50% over the last year. And these results just don't cut it for It's that. the latter. Because you still have 27% revenue growth, yes, below 30%. But what their expenses are up. I mean, profit, rev- profit is now only up 16% because they're spending more. Tim talks about this all the time. But let's just quickly look at where the stock is. Let's put it in context. The old high, the July 2018 high, basically was 209.5, 210. That's where we are now. For the first time in a while, we're revisiting those levels. I'm going to be fascinated to see tomorrow if it holds and bounces or if it trades through. I think tomorrow will tell you all you need to know about the stock for the next 10 to 15 percent. And quite frankly, right now, I think it all hangs in the balance. What do you think? Yeah, I just do think it is a matter of those operating expenses they talked about. When you think about this, a lot of people are in, uh, focused on that earnings number. This year, 2020, expected to be 5 percent EPS growth. That seems fairly dramatic. I think you can go back and look at Google over the last 10 years when you saw periods where revenue growth was still amazing. If you think about it, revenue growth is expected to be over you know, 20% this year. That's off a big number, $70 billion in sales. Last year, we know why.
why they're spending here and those issues are in front of this uh, election year, that sort of thing, they can't really get that wrong. I expect 2020 EPS growth to be higher than what consensus settles out tomorrow when we get at some point in the back half of the year. So if you're thinking about it at 20 times, it's probably pretty reasonable given that revenue growth. And I'm not. And, and tra- Facebook trades at a discount, not only to the, certainly the, the, the peer group, whatever you want to call it, the social media, but certainly within the FANG. But it, it trades at a discount because not only did I, I, I think that revenue growth, first of all, 25 percent was below street expectations. I think the street was closer to 27, FX neutral 28 percent. So when you're not growing on the top line and everything, we can all talk about OPEX because I think it is the existential issue for the company. But bottom line, management gets uh, they, they get a discount. They get a discount in this valuation. They still can't tell you how they're going to get control of their business. And that's something that I think the market is punishing them for. Fourth straight quarter of revenue growth issues. Right. I mean, that's, is, that the, is, is that the biggest takeaway? That's the biggest takeaway because the market environment we're in. Investors are paying up for growth. We're in a relatively low growth GDP environment. You look at the stocks that are outperforming, they're names that are growing fast. So when that decelerates and you have a relative to the market high P.E. ratio, your stock gets crushed down 7%. It's going to take some time. For me, Facebook is likely dead money for another quarter mm. until they churn out, until you turn over some turn over some of the investors that were in for that high growth, as well as get a little bit more clarity. And maybe we get some more on the call about the expenses uh, and how they're going to resume growth. Other side of that is, uh, well, okay, great. That's fine. They're a duopoly. It's a two-person game, and they're in the game, and they're the best player and the biggest player within that game. Yep. So why not buy the stock? Why not take advantage of this kind of because sell-off? the stock's underperform its peer group. It's under it's underperformed the triple Qs. It was up fifty percent in a year. Of course, because I mean, think about where we were on sentiment after after again that first revenue miss. You just talked about three or four successive quarters of revenue growth. So uh, that fifty percent move and it's thirty percent since October on some level is handicapping the stock here. But but to be clear, if you've owned this stock relative to its peer group, you've underperformed for the last two and a half years. I, that's the reason you don't own the stock. Yeah, well, to his point about a duopoly, do you want to own you know, one, of the, one, one of those two for the next 10 years or whatever? I mean, here's the point. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit here. They're still growing users. I mean, so on a sequential basis, I think their users grew 9%. So users haven't left the platform for all the reasons that people aren't happy with this company about. And advertisers certainly have not either. So that's really the bull case on a longer-term basis. And when you're talking about the multiple relative to the market, it's actually pretty fair. And I think there's a lot of people who would be willing to kind of discount the reasons why why earnings growth has decelerated so much. Listen, law of large numbers, when you're growing sales the way this company has, okay, 2017, they grew sales at 47%, 18, 37%. Last year, 27%, expected to be 22% this year. Still pretty good when you're expected to do 85 billion. So I, I think there's a reason why people who want to be exposed to this massive at digital advertising pie, it's one of the only places to do it. Where else are you going to go? You're going to buy Avenue, uh, 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 Amazon for their $5 billion in advertising sales? Twitter for their free type of investor that's in here, though. So for the, the long term investor, you're, if you're going to own this for the next 10 years, it's down 7 percent. Knock yourself out. Go and buy it. But there's this period of time where you have investors in there that have been in it only because it's a growth stock. They could care about the digital ad theme. They don't care about any of that. They're saying, where do I get the most growth? And when a stock breaks like this, when that breaks, it takes some time. So it really depends on what you are. Are you a trader? If you're a trader, I'd stay away from 
this for a couple months. If you're an investor and you're saying, you know what, I want to be in this space between Google and Facebook for the next five years, down 7%, knock yourself out. You're saying the growth is so great. Where else can you get this kind of growth? I mean, where else can you get this kind of growth for this kind of valuation? Well, that's that's Stock exactly to a lot of people the is there's, cheap, there's, not expensive. There, I mean, fang stocks, right? That's the point. But this is cheaper than m- most of the fangs. It's, it is. Well, it, look, it's, it is the cheapest. Let's be clear. It's 20 times forward. For a reason, and, and, and the closest peer it has is Google. Um, and, and Google's certainly re-rated a couple turns on the multiple. But I, I, I still think you have a case where everything we just said, the most important thing is right now advertisers haven't left the site. Advertiser ROI is very impressive on Facebook, um, except for the fact that the ad, the, the ad growth at around 24, 25 percent is something that's kind of it's going sideways here. I don't know, you know. I think this may be kind of the peak of some of that. All right, let's look at the other big tech mover after the bell. It is Microsoft trading at all-time highs after its own earnings beat. Let's get out to Josh Lipton in San Francisco to tell us about those results. Hey, Josh. You know, Scott, that stock already, of course, heading into this print had that monster run. It was up more than 60% over the past 12 months, but also uh, now heading higher in the after hours, not just being on the bottom and the top, but look at these segments, productivity and business processes, $11.8 billion, That's a beat. Uh, intelligent cloud, $11.9 billion, That's a beat. More personal computing, 13, uh, $13.2 Also better than expected. I just checked in with uh, Michael Turrets over at Raymond James, covers the name to get his take. His point is, listen, both cloud Cloud and traditional on-premise businesses going strong here. Commercial cloud grew 39%. Azure surging 62%. Office 365 commercial growing 27%. That's all stronger than expected. Then it's the on-premise side. So what goes on your desktop, data center? Windows OEM grew 18%. So that's what device makers are, are paying Microsoft to license the Windows operating system. On-premise server grew 10%. Touch lighter than some forecasts, but Turret says still strong. Importantly, remember, we don't have guidance yet. That is going to come on the call, and that starts at 5.30 Eastern. Scott, back to you. Josh, appreciate that very much. Let's uh, distill this thing down here, Timmy. Um, Big big beat, nice beat. Stock's done great, though. Stock's done fantastic, and and I I think people still don't really know what the multiple is on the stock. We we know that a year ago, clearly we were wrong. I was wrong on a multiple that had it closer to the historic numbers. In terms of their ability to to take market share in cloud, there's no question. Uh, I think we question where the margins are going to be in enterprise cloud at some point, even though these guys certainly are competing at the top of the list. I I think the the, the move that you've had in this stock is as much to do with the liquidity move overall in the markets. And if you look at NASDAQ and Microsoft, they're 23% of the NASDAQ 100 and they are the beneficiary of, of blind flows. Don't let the market's performance tell you that these guys deserve a higher multiple than they do, and at some point, the multiple does matter. The reaction uh, after hours is very much like Apple in some respects. Yep. The stock had run so much into the number, you have to temper your expectations into how much more of a pop you can get, even on a good top and bottom beat. And that's what you're seeing in Microsoft. And up, I would say great. Up less than 3%. Yeah. Great numbers. Well, great the, quarter. Now, what do, they, what do the kids say? Don't at me? Well, don't at me on this one, and I'll <laughs> say it. I mean, I think this Microsoft quarter is far better than Apple's quarter. Yes, saying, yes, Apple is a great quarter. I get it. But, you know, we talked about Apple a lot last night. This Microsoft quarter, now 35% operating margins. That Azure growth is still ridiculous. And if they keep beating EPS by the margins they do seemingly every quarter, the multiple that everybody sort of talks about correctly, by the way, doesn't really matter. So the fact that it's higher now, you know, you can make an argument that it was maybe a little less expensive now than it was a couple days ago. 
Uh, okay, Boomer. See, uh, I knew you were going to do that. You walked right into I, I, I think, it. I, I think, I think I Tim made a really good point um, about liquidity and blind flows. You know, this stock spent the summer and most of the fall until late October really consolidating between 130 and 140. And that's when a lot of people were kind of wringing their hands about this thing trading at 26 times. Historically, that's a really high multiple. And to Guy's point, as soon as we saw whatever you think happened in the last quarter of the year with the Fed, the Fed. balance sheet, that sort of thing, you know, the biggest stocks on the planet went parabolic, okay? And that's Microsoft, it's Apple. It wasn't really Amazon, but it was a lot of these other um, kind of mega cap tech names, and this stock participated. So those numbers were great, but trading about 31 times this year, that is a really high, I think you have to go back two decades to get Microsoft above that. So valuation doesn't matter right now. It will during a correction, and people will be pointing to some of the most valuable companies in the world trading at the the, the most stretch multiples. I think that's a really good point that valuation doesn't matter today, yeah. which is, you know, people are paying up for growth here. They are don't really necessarily care about the valuation. So when something bad happens, you get destroyed because you have weak hands in there. So again, I look at Microsoft and say, if I'm long it, I hold on. Up 3.5% after the massive run, the, the trader in BK can't buy that. He has to wait for a pullback. It's one of the biggest issues I'm talking about is if you're not in these names, you're getting a, a smack in the face about how far the market has come mm-hmm. and how far you think these kinds of stocks can continue to appreciate from here. If someone's looking at Microsoft right now, what do they do if they don't own it? Do you say you can't buy it? And this is evidence of why? Because the stocks come too far and how much is really left in the near term. So passive investors are buying it, and, and that's what's going on. Again, this, this is an uplift by passive investors. Uh, the move in, in Apple since, since essentially that move off of the June lows, where we all know is up 90%, um, it's 33% of the performance of the NASDAQ 100. Microsoft is about 13%. You take those two stocks out, I mean, that's, I just gave you the percentages, too. I think that has a lot to do with it. But Microsoft is a company that gives long-term investors a lot of confidence. They've got an annuity. We are no longer questioning uh, their, their services business, the, the, the continuing annuity there. We are saying the valuation is high, but these are guys that have moved into a new part of the enterprise that, frankly, they're dominating. That's what long-term Can, can I answer that question? And, and so the truth is, is after an event like this that the stock has run into, the market's run into, you know, these stocks give you opportunities. Like I said, this stock literally based with between 10 points for four months. You had an opportunity to buy this stock and buy the momentum. Same thing for Apple. When it broke out at 240, it based there for like a couple months between 240 and 250. Same thing for Facebook. There was a basing period. I don't think you buy things on runaway breakouts when valuations are struck market-wide. These are some of the biggest leaders, and we're just really extended, so both on valuation and on price. So that is my answer to you. I don't may think I, you may buy I quickly that. say something? Yeah. May I? The way you just said that implies that Tim didn't answer. I thought Tim answered yeah. the question extraordinarily elegantly. Dan, well, that's nice, but I, 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 not you know, I, I, can, I can tell Dan I think I had oh, I know. Answer, answered it eloquently as well. Yeah, anyway, but, uh, right, sorry, it's all good. Yeah. Time. Time. Okay. All right. By the way, can you guess right now what Tesla's yeah. trading at? I'm looking at it on the screen right now. I know we're going to talk about it. I cannot believe <laughs> I mean, give me a number. What's Tesla at right now? Profitability. Give me a number. What's it at right now? Stock price. Without looking. 601. No. Oh. No. <laughs> 650. Are you kidding me? I don't have a lot. We're going to talk about that. We have a ton else coming up on the show tonight. All the big names are moving, including the one I just mentioned after their big beat. Ridiculous. We're back (laughs) after these. After this. Oh, we were telling you just before the break, welcome back to Fast Money, by the way. Check out this huge move in Tesla. That stock is up nearly 12% after its own big beat. 
There it is right now, 11%. You're pushing 650 bucks in the aftermarket. Let's get to Phil LeBeau with more details. Phil, why is this stock up so sharply after hours? Great Q4 numbers and even better guidance. If you're a Tesla bull, there was very little to be disappointed in when it comes to this report from Tesla. Let's talk about the numbers for the fourth quarter. Beat on the top and the bottom line by a wide margin, earning 214 a share versus the expectation of a buck 72 a share, revenue coming in better than expected at 7.3 billion dollars. Not bad. But here's the reason, Scott, that I think the stock is really taking off. The guidance in terms of deliveries for 2020. Now, just for a point of reference, remember, they delivered just over 360,000 vehicles last year. Most on the street were in somewhere between the 465 and 475,000 as an expectation for 2020. Tesla says it will comfortably exceed 500,000 vehicles being delivered this year. A couple other notes from the company's guidance when it comes to 2020 and beyond. Model Y production ramp has already begun out in Fremont, California. Model Y production, that will begin in Shanghai starting in 2021. It is planning limited sales of the Tesla Semi this year. So we will see it out on the road. And then you have Tesla solar and storage deployments to grow by at least 50%. Conference call starts at 6.30, Scott. Curious what Elon Musk will sound like on this call. There have been times when we have seen them post better than expected earnings, and he's been a little subdued. Will that be the case today? Always the call is is perhaps the most interesting part of Tesla earnings days. He's probably doing a double take like everybody else. Phil, thank you. We'll see what he says. We'll be back to you as as needed. All right, Tim. So, uh, yeah, look, the, the profitability is impressive. Um, and, and the guide, it, it, the more important thing is what they actually the deliver. When you look at the free cash flow, when you look at the margin. comfortably uh, exceed 500,000 well, units. But, I mean, but, Phil hit the nail again, on the head. But again, they hit 367 when they guided 360 to 400. And so, you know, that doesn't give me some sense that they're going to wildly beat when, in fact, they barely made their number at the bottom end of a range. But, but again, the, good, good for them. The 500,000 on the guide is something that I don't think you get excited about if you're a Tesla bull. I think what you get excited about is the profitability um, and 6.3 billion on the balance sheet. And by the way, get out there and raise and do a raise right here at this valuation. So you never have to worry about capital then, because as far as I'm concerned, with all the growth that these guys are talking about, they are going to continue to burn some cash. So why wouldn't you get out there and raise money here? This so, kind of this kind of move, though, in the stock is not getting overly excited just about a 500,000 number, though. It is about earnings. Sheet. It's about cash flow. It's about gross it's margins. It's about the guide. It's, it's, it's about, about the whole kit and caboodle. It was, was not even a year ago we were concerned that they wouldn't be able to raise money and that they might go out of business. Now, all of a sudden, they've got billions on their balance sheet. And I think Tim brings up a great point. If there's a risk to this stock is that Elon Musk says, hey, you know what? We should raise some money here. Maybe we do a, a secondary out there. I think that's probably the risk on the bearer side, but I, I'm not standing in front of it by any means. Yeah, you know, really interesting here. I, I've been wrong on this thing for you know hundreds of points. I, I don't have a position in it, and, and it's just you know this is an all-out mania. I think it's really important to remember that. I, I've seen very few like this in my nearly 25 years in the business. Make no mistake about it. They've gained the market capitalization of GM, a company that does 140 billion dollars in sales. What in a matter of months here? So. It's a mania. High short interest. We we're just talking about it. Most of Wall Street analysts are off sides on it. There's only nine buy ratings, like I think 11 holds and 17 sells or something like that. So well, you can understand that, too. Right. I mean, to many people, they view it the same way you do. You're buying a dream. Well, you know, listen, I think it's fair to say last June when this stock, when they reported their Q2 or something like that, there was serious capital um, concerns. Right. They were missing their productivity levels. They were building this mass market car intense. 
intense. There was lots of questions about why they bought in Solar City the prior year. It literally sounded like a disaster. I mean, that sort of thing. So stocks at the highs. He right was being now, investigated by the, the S&P. The short interest in this name and the mania, whatever you want to call it around it, means that people are scrambling. Um, and, and look, the, the, the thing I wonder about is $7.38 billion when they were $7.23 billion last year, when they had record sales this year. So the fact is the year-over-year revenue number isn't really that impressive. And it's a little bit confusing. But, but to be clear, the most important thing to me is someone who's someone who's very bearish on the stock. Someone who thought that actually they had bankruptcy issues at least to address and that they were cutting back on CapEx, they were cutting back every place that they could, is that there's, there's cash on the balance sheet and they have the ability to double that if they went out there and really just put people on the sideline who are concerned about their burning cash. Let because say this, it's a too, growth company. In your defense, you're not the only one who thought that yeah, or look, continues to good. think that. Yeah. I mean, it's the truth. There still are a lot of haters on this name who think that fundamentally the company is never going to deliver on what the dreamers believe that it's going to. That's more fuel for the fire. But the dreamers, you know, their dream is you see the last couple quarters. And I'm not going to pretend because I've been right with everybody else. I mean, I thought maybe a chance from 170 to get to 250, 275. And now here we are to your point, 650. So clearly wrong. But, you know, the bulls will say the dreams, the bold dreams are now becoming reality right in front of our face. So it's hard for me. Look, I get it. I get both sides of the argument. But when I say price is truth, this is what I'm talking about. We can talk negative all we want. Here we find ourselves at 650 with the stock being 170 seemingly only just a handful of months ago. But to Tim's point, if there were ever a time to shore up a balance sheet even further, I mean, a secondary makes just a whole lot of sense right right here. Coming up, we have even more earnings on deck for you. It's a busy night. Las Vegas Sands, PayPal, they're also out with their latest numbers. We're going to break down those results for you as well. And counting down to Amazon. It's out after the bell tomorrow. We'll find out how the options market is sizing that one up. It's the next big tech report. We'll be watching it. 1858, that stock is up almost five bucks. And there's the mystery chart for tonight. Stock hitting its highest level since October of 2018. We're going to bring you that when Fast Money comes right back. Welcome back to a busy evening on Fast Money. The earnings keep rolling in. Two more big names on the move now. And after hours, there's PayPal. It's down about 4%. Las Vegas Sands down just slightly. Kate Rooney standing by on PayPal. Let's get more on Sands, though. Contessa Brewers back at HQ. Hey. Hey there, Scott. Uh, Las Vegas Sands reports fourth quarter earnings that beat expectations, both in revenue and in earnings. But at the top of the call, CEO and Chairman Sheldon Adelson called this coronavirus situation serious. Its premier property, Marina Bay Sands, is in Singapore. That has at least seven confirmed cases. So does Macau, and employees there are wearing masks as mandated by the government. But Sands COO Rob Goldstein says those masks are in short supply. Visitation has plummeted some 80% to Macau at this point, but casino operations are up and running. While Goldstein said with tens of thousands of people employed, it is expensive to operate under these conditions. He says they're going to try to mitigate some of this with paid time off and the like, but that, quote, it would be silly to think they can reduce costs enough to offset what's happening there in Macau. Goldstein predicts the demand is getting pent up. He says Macau will be very, very busy 
once the storm passes, as he put it. I did want to mention two other items of note here, Scott. Sheldon Adelson praised the phrase, the phase one trade deal. He says it's good for the global economy, good for SANS. Remember, he was in the room when Trump signed that trade deal with the Chinese team. He says Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin told him they're moving much faster on phase two than people think. Also, SANS aggressively moving to position both Singapore and Macau as top-level convention destinations. Group business is really driving the bottom line in Las Vegas. They're getting about half of their revenues there, almost that much. And so they want to see some of that now go to Macau and Singapore. All right. Contessa, thank you. Yep. Thank you for that. Uh, that's Contessa Brewer. Who wants a, a piece of this? So real quick, the July high, if you go back, was $65. That's where the stock failed and then really just troughed, traded back up to it. So past sort of resistance becomes support. We find ourselves there now. This was a $75 stock a week or so ago. If you take this quarter in a vacuum, it actually was a pretty solid quarter. You could say valuation is stretched. And I got to tell you, this, this whole, the coronavirus thing is extraordinarily scary. And I would understand if you want to avoid all these stocks on the back of it. However, well, if you're you, looking for a trade. You? Why wouldn't you? Some may, you know what? That's, you, you have every right not to do anything in the casino. Well, don't they get a huge percentage Listen, of their revenues I, from I the agree, cow? But if you think this More is than gonna, the others. A lot of people think this is going to be over in a couple weeks. I don't. Weeks? I'm, I am just playing devil's advocate here. I, a lot of people think this is going to be over in a while, and you've already priced a lot of the downward moves in the stocks. You've seen the same thing with wind. My only point is this. $65 is an extraordinarily compelling level in terms of risk-reward on the upside. But, but I don't think anybody, by the way, has any idea no how idea. long the coronavirus issue is going to last. Weeks? Months? No, but, but, it, but unlike the financial crisis when casinos were destroyed, and they were destroyed because it was a credit event. This is not a credit event. Um, I don't right, this think is that, a no-people-going event. I, I get it, Scott. But, but uh, it's very different than a consumer who has to repair their own balance sheet. People are in a state of shock and fear, and there's a reason why they're not going. And that's not a surprise. There's nothing we've heard. And that, those headlines can get a lot worse. But I look at this as a temporary shock. I agree with Guy. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what that number is, but I can tell you that this is very different than re- repairing confidence in something that's an externality is very different than repairing a consumer's balance sheet to get them back into Las Vegas or back into Macau like we had after the crisis. Casino stocks were the best stocks to own. I bet if you annualize them against technology from the lows to where they are today, they recovered once the consumer recovered and their consumer's not dead. So I think that's very important to remember. Okay, let's move on to PayPal now. Stocks dropping after reporting its own results. Kate Rooney in San Francisco with more. Hi, Kate. Hey, Scott. PayPal coming up a little short of expectations on first quarter guidance and total payment volume. The stock has come back, but we saw what analysts are calling a knee-jerk reaction. There was a 6% drop after that report. Wall Street is focused on total payment volume. That was a slight miss. Analysts telling me PayPal has really set the bar high when it comes to growth. 22% growth in payment volume for the quarter. Sounds pretty good. That's not where it's been in previous quarters, though. PayPal also raised full-year guidance. That's partially thanks to the acquisition of fintech company Honey, which closed in January. CEO Dan Schulman saying on the call just now that that deal will make PayPal more relevant and drive engagement. We did get a rare update on Venmo. They've got 52 million users now using that peer-to-peer payment platform. That's up from 40 million early last year. No update, though, on profitability for Venmo. That app has yet to break even. And Schulman 
also mentioning the acquisition of Chinese company GoPay. He calls that a, quote, landmark deal that lets them operate in China and expands PayPal's total addressable market. Scott? All right, Kay Rooney, thank you for that. All right, let's trade this name. That uh, Man, so many people love this name. Well, you know, I, I think people like that Venmo update just because I think they said that the total payment volume is about $29 billion. The total for the company is $200 billion, $52 million um, there, and on a $450 million run rate. Um, sounds like a really kind of fast-growing business, although it is not particularly profitable at the moment. They would have probably said that. I don't like the whole thing. I didn't like that Honey acquisition. I didn't like that they paid $4 billion for that just to increase engagement. So... I just think old school, go back a couple decades, you want to listen to somebody. I think my old friend Dan Benton used to say, when growth companies start to guide down, you don't want to own them anymore. This thing was unable to make a new all-time high from the highs in 2019, and they guide down for this year. I think it should be in the penalty box a little bit. Well, I think the problem... He's breaking, out, he's breaking out the sayings and everything. Yeah, the old-time old time sayings. The, real. the problem that I have with PayPal is that the game you're playing, or the game that they're playing, is it's a network effect. I got a whole bunch of people using my platform, and then I'm going to be able to charge them. But they're not, and I don't think they ever will be, because transactions cost, or transactions, what they can charge, are going to zero. Too much competition. That's great that they have all these people on the platform, but they're never going to make any money off them. And to Dan's point, now they're out spending money to acquire more customers. I just don't think the business plan works. Yeah, I want to hear a little bit about the pricing metric and some of the conversions in the competitive landscape. And, and if you look at the, you know, if, if Carter was here, I'd be curious to hear what the charters say about this chart, which, you know, if you want to call it double top around 120, if you want to look at some areas where uh, some of the volume is broken down, this is not necessarily a chart you love in addition to all these other dynamics. Look, real quick, I don't know Dan Benton, that was the person's name from Barbie Benton, but I'll say this, when you're trading Barbie at 30, Benton. you like that poll? Strong poll. That's a great poll. Just, I'll just say strong poll. Just, just, and then leave Enough it at that. I'm yeah. sure the people Google right now. But when you're trading at 35 times forward earnings and you have that kind of guide down, you have to be concerned on the downside. So I'm with everybody here. I am concerned on the downside. That's exactly why I said move on. Ben was a legendary tech analyst in the 80s and 90s at Goldman Sachs. And he had 10 rules about how to trade tech stocks. Don't read them all all please. I'm just saying, when growth stocks start guiding down after a big growth period, you sell them. Okay. For more on all of today's big earnings, head over to CNBC.com. Here's what else uh, we have coming up on the big show tonight. It's time to reveal our mystery stock. It's at its highest level in more than a year. We tell you what's behind the rally. And later, early Facebook investor Roger McNamee has some thoughts on Facebook. But did the latest report change his mind? We'll find out. We've got that and a whole lot more when Fast Money returns. We are back on Fast Money, and it's time to reveal today's mystery chart. This mm. one-time market dud powering to a 16-month high. It is General Electric. There it is. Stock jumping better than 10% today after reporting its most profitable quarter in two years. Closely watched free cash flow also topping estimates. So is this the beginning of a bigger breakout for GE, G-U-Y? Well, a lot of people think so. Kudos to Steve Grasso, 20 and 20. And Tim Seymour, if you recall, in the stock draft CNBC, this was the number one pick in the draft. Well done. A lot of people scoffed. I was one of them. And I'll still squirrel. sort of scoff. I mean, right. look, I think people are saying, you know what, they've turned the ship around. Better to get it now when they're starting to change than six months from now when the stock's 18 and they've already changed. I get it. 
But look at the full-year guidance. And not everybody's saying that, by the way. A lot of people are saying that. Look at the full-year guidance. wasn't particularly great. I still think they have issues in power, and I'd be inclined to take profits here. I've been wrong, though, saying that. I mean, I'm just saying, like, people like Stephen Tuza, J.P. Morgan. Sure. I get it. I get it. His target is 5 bucks. He's been wrong, quote-unquote, for the last, you know, the, the move. The move. Um, yeah, but, but he doesn't think that this is a big turning point. Uh, well, I don't know. The numbers are what the numbers are, right? They came out with things are changing. This, to me, is the belief and proof phase of this turnaround. So I think this actually does have room to run. If you look at it, I'm not sure I buy it up 10%. You know, as I let this thing kind of settle down for a couple of days, and then you buy this thing on a dip. If you think this turnaround is going to well, continue, you just said, I do. You just said that the results... He's laughing at yeah. He's, He's laughing, laughing at me. I'm not laughing at anybody here, pal. Don't put laughter well, you in my just mouth. Said, don't put laughter in you my just mouth. said that the results are, are evidence of a turnaround. Yeah. But don't buy the stock? What no, are you no, going no, no. to no, tell no, me to buy I'm the saying, stock? I'm not, I don't know if you need to buy it up on a day that it's up 10%. So I'm saying wait a couple days, see if it pulls back and buy it. Well, it's, it's called trading. What, what I think is Oh, when more it gets to a level that you buy that, you call me up. You got it. You guys done? Well done. Can, I mean, the, the camera's on me right now. I think it's time for me to turn. Please. In your okay, mind, so, it always is. So, yeah. so look, <laughs> aviation was up 23%, but more important is that power was only down 28%. Power has been the albatross around this company and has been basically eroding free cash flow. Uh, that's a bigger issue here, I think, for GE in the short run. But the fact that total industrial profits came in at $200 million more than expected, this is an industrial company. Their aviation business is actually a blue-chip aviation business, and there is still very good business at GE. We good? We're good, right? We? Oui. He's fitzing a little bit. Oh, yeah. You guys want no, to take good. that time? I'm just waiting right? for the pullback. We should have split them up. The hot lights. The hot seat. Lights. You know what? Is that a song a, You by? know what? It's the only Journey song that's listenable. The rest of them are just unlistenable. And up. don't at me on that. That's two ats at once <laughs> one night. I'm not going to at you. I'm going to pop you. Well, you can do it. You can bop at All right, coming up, shares of Facebook are plunging on new growth concerns. The company's conference call is now underway. We're going to get reaction to the quarter from early Facebook investor Roger McNamee. He's here. Stick around. Fast Money's back at two. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. There's shares of Facebook dropping sharply after hours. The stock weighed down by new growth concerns. Facebook CFO just addressed it on the call. Listen. We expect our year-over-year total reported revenue growth rate in Q1 to decelerate by a low to mid-single-digit percentage point as compared to our Q4 growth rate. Factors driving this deceleration include the maturity of our business as well as the increasing impact from global privacy regulation and other ad-targeting-related headwinds. While we have experienced some modest impact from these headwinds to date, the majority of the impact lies in front of us. Well, let's get reaction now from one of Facebook's first investors. Mm. Roger McNamee is co-founder of Elevation Partners. Good to see you in person here. Thanks for Good coming to be by. back with the team here. <laughs> just from hearing what they just said on the call, that can't make you that optimistic about this thing turning around. Well, if, if you look at it as an investor, which is certainly one of the hats that I wear, I'm not a trader. So like you guys, my time horizon is much, much longer. This is a very inexpensive stock for what you get. But... I believe they face structural problems that they cannot fix. And it's not just in the U.S. In Europe, in Asia, the pressure to regulate is really intense because 
tech, I think, is today where chemicals were in 1960, you know, when people realized that pouring mercury into fresh water was just not a good idea. Where the pharmaceutical industry was in 1900 when fake patent medicines were killing people. You know, at some point, these industries are so strategic that you have to regulate them in order to protect them and everybody in the country. Can you view and I those? think that's where tech is today. Well, can you view that independently then? If, I mean, okay, you can say, okay, regulation's coming, but stock's cheap. No, so that's, I, I, I think that's stock. it. If you're an investor, what I think you have to look at is what does regulation look at, look like? Excuse me. In the United States, it matters a lot what happens in the election in November. Outside the U.S., this is going to happen anyway, and it's a global business, and they try to automate everything. So whoever has the toughest regulation is going to drive the behavior globally, and that's going to be Europe, at least for the next few years. I think you also have to watch out for state regulation, which is likely to be, you know, state attorneys general are going after Facebook over privacy issues, probably eventually over antitrust issues as well. And they've got a really good case. I mean, these guys have had a free market ride for a long time, and they've run over every competitor. And it's just it's a very easy case for these guys to make. It's inevitable that there's going to be misinformation on Facebook in the election cycle, right? I mean, they can't stop it. Actually, they could stop it. How? The problem is the business model. There's nothing wrong with the technology itself, but the business model is based on your attention. In order to get it, they use what is called algorithmic amplification. They look for the content that engages you, gets you to spend the most time, do the most stuff. And for the vast majority of people, that's going to be stuff that provokes outrage or fear, which is hate speech, disinformation, and conspiracy theories. And the problem is that the algorithms amplify that stuff, so it spreads like crazy. And none of that is necessary to have Facebook be a viable business, but it is the thing that has given it a three-quarters of a trillion dollar market. Let me rephrase my question. Facebook currently constructed, there's no way to stop it. They can't. You, you have to change the business model, which I'm is why about. investors have to be careful when you're saying it's cheap. If you actually, if the decision is made that we're not going to have disinformation and political campaigns, they're going to have to do some very drastic things to the business model. So let's talk about the business model. Is in terms of expenses compared to revenues, what percentage of revenues are now going to be fighting this battle that you're talking well, about? It depends on how you go about it. Right now, they've been trying to do it with moderation, which is a combination of artificial intelligence and human beings. That is not going to work. The math is just, the thing's too big, and it happens after the stuff goes out. You, you would have to review everything before it went live on the network, which they're never going to do. I think you're going you're to see the regulation aiming increasingly towards changing the business model at its core, which is going to be catastrophic for profitability. So, Roger, one of the bull cases for Facebook is they were going to create a super app. They were going to combine all their apps together, yeah. and it was going to be something like we see overseas. Is that still on the table, or do they no, I don't they no longer do that? That's a really great question. They're clearly still trying to do it. And I think as a, if you're an investor and a betting person, you're looking at this and assuming that they're going to attempt to do their plan, irrespective of the pushback from politicians. So the real test is whether political systems anywhere in the world have enough leverage to cause change to happen. Right now, they're basically being nibbled to death by ducks. And the question is, does anybody get to bring a hammer to a duck party? And I don't know what the Let me ask you one question unrelated to Facebook, but related to tech before you go. Are you surprised at how Microsoft has been able to transform itself from what seemed like a old tech has been, if you will, 
to this new tech cloud player and the job that Satya Nadella has done, given your yeah, presence so in, in what the, the Valley and They have done two things that really impressed me. The first thing was they were a late entrant into surveillance capitalism. They followed the Google playbook to the T, right? And so they're doing a lot of the same things Google's doing with many of the same problems. Like they've had a lot of problems in their artificial intelligence. They've had issues relative to data usage. But they've had brilliant public relations, and they really understand the importance of staying on the good side of governments. So I think Microsoft as a stock looks really good compared to these other guys Mm. because, you know, it's like the two guys in the woods when the bear shows up. You don't have to outrun the bear, you have to outrun the other guy. And they're so (laughs) far ahead of Google and Facebook and even Amazon that I think Microsoft probably is still in great shape here. Are you an owner of shares? I I am not an owner of shares, regretfully. Good to see you. Thanks again for being here. It's fun to be with you guys. Right, Thank, thanks for letting me go long-term on you. I know that's not, <laughs> no, it's all good. not the culture here. That's Elevations, Roger McNamee. We like smart cultures, and, and that's what you bring. And my book is coming Thank out you. in paperback next whoa, week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's the name wow. of the book? Yeah. It's called Zucked, Waking Up to the Facebook oh. Catastrophe. Four new chapters, a lot of new information. I hope people will check it out because this is the issue of our time. We can't solve climate change. We can't solve gun violence or... Um, anti-vax if we can't do something about what internet platforms do on this algorithmic amplification. All right. Well, you'll see you again soon. <laughs> Take care. All right. That's Roger McNamee. All right. Let's trade it. Well, you trade um, Facebook or Microsoft. Real quick. Frankly. I mean, Facebook was a $125 stock on, New- on Christmas Eve of 2019. Just traded 225 Again, I say this level is an important level. However, if you're in BK's camp, and I think Roger's camp as well, the 50% retracement of that move is 175 On this tape, given what everybody just said, that's not an unreasonable level to buy the stock. All right. Coming up, should you add Amazon to your cart ahead of its earnings? Options traders are betting on it. We'll bring you that trade ahead. Plus, take a look at our Kramer cam. It's a big night. Of course, he's going to talk a lot about these earnings. He's also, Jim is going to sit down with the CEOs of Penn National and Barstool Sports. A big deal they just announced today. It sent Penn's stock soaring. Full interviews coming up top of the hour on Mad Money. That's just about 10 minutes away. And in the meantime, we're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. We have more fast right ahead. Well, we're back on Fast Money. Amazon gearing up to join this week's big tech earnings parade. The company reporting results after the bell tomorrow. The stock struggled to keep up with the broader tech space over the past year. But in the options market, traders are betting big that Amazon could be looking at a much brighter year this year. Mike Coe out in San Francisco with the options action on AMZN. Hey, Mike. Hi there. So big, I guess, is a relative thing. This is an expensive stock, so the options tend to be fairly expensive as well. But it might be a less expensive way to make your bullish bets. What we saw today was that calls outpaced puts by about one and a half to one. And right now, the options market is implying a move of about 3.8% when they report earnings tomorrow. That's larger than the eight-quarter average of about 3.2%. And one of the areas where we saw the most opening activity today was in the weekly 1940 strike calls. They were buying those at an average price of about $10. So those are bullish bets that the stock's going to rise above that 1940 strike price by at least the 10 bucks that they spent or above 1950 by expiration. That would represent an increase of about four and a half percent by Friday when these options expire. And I would point out that going back about a decade or so, this trade would have been profitable about a third of the time. But looking at a more recent window, we haven't seen those kinds of bullish moves as much. So we'll see out tomorrow whether this trade's going to pay off. It's going to be exciting to wait for that and the, uh, when we actually get the numbers. Mikey, thank you. That's Mike Coe. Let's uh, let's kick this around. 
Um, this is going to be a highly anticipated report. It, it will be. And again, this is the number three you know, weighted stock in the NASDAQ 100. So between these three and the Facebook moving down, I think you have to think about this when looking at the market overall. In terms of Amazon, think about this 3.8% implied move. Think about Amazon three years ago, four years ago. You were expecting you know, the implied on this, Dan. Where was it? You know, close to 10% on Amazon because yeah. of that swing. Question is, does it, is, is this good for the company that it's become a more consistent player? Or, or is it telling you that you've matured and some of that high growth is out of the name? I think that's the debate. I think, I think quickly, it's the most important quarter for the stock that you've seen in a long time. You have these major double tops at the all-time high. July of 2018, July of basically 2019, coming in around 2015 or so. It has not recovered really as much as the broader market. I got to tell you something. It concerns me a little bit here with these levels. Okay. Well, for more options action, be sure to tune in to the full show this Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. we got final trades for you. Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's get another check on Tesla after its blowout earnings report. There you go. Stock is at $647, was north of $650 not all that long ago. It's going to be one to watch for sure tomorrow as uh, it uh, follows up uh, its big beat. All right, let's do uh, final trades, kick things off around the horn. Timmy, you're up first. Mikhail. Yeah, a little more conservative for Mikhail. I'm going to go with McDonald's, though. Great numbers. You've seen a couple follow-throws. Core U.S. business, same-store sales, very impressive. I like Mickey D's. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go more macro for you. Take a look at silver off the recent highs. I think that's a great play this year, SLV. Okay. Danny Boy? Uh, yeah, that PayPal was up 8% into the print onto the year, down a few bucks here. I don't think you kind of buy this dip yet. I think you want to see one of five first. What do you got for me, guy? Did Adami? you enjoy yourself? Did you have I really, Wasn't it obvious? Yeah. Wasn't it obvious? It was, to me, it was obvious, but I want you to be happy. This is important I mean, Well, you're hard to please. Here. If it was obvious to you, do you think it was obvious to everybody else? An excellent point by you. I'll tell you what was obvious. The excellent quarter by the NASDAQ, Scott. Ooh, okay. Well, that does it for us. Thanks for watching on. Fast Money. Mad Money with my man Jim Cramer begins right now. <laughs> 